Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast, uh, post-Easter podcast, and I can confirm we are the podcast that never sleeps on the job. My name is Chris and I am your host and uh, apologies, it's a little bit noisy here because I've got the window open, I may well look to address that shortly because I live on a busy main road. Anyway, we've got plenty to discuss and of course I'm going to need some people here to do that with me, so good evening to Jez and good evening to Phil, how are you both doing? Good evening. Yeah, good thanks are you are you all right jez i, I was concerned um are you are you okay are you is there a sense of of acceptance now or are you just kind of trying to avoid the sense it? of acceptance was a few weeks ago true true fair enough fair enough so we're, we're not going to come to blows later on um we'll, we'll touch on tonight's games because we are recording on Wednesday the 20th of April, so like I say, post-Easter. So there were some games back at the uh, the previous weekend, which we're going to discuss tonight, and then there will be some games kicking off in around about 10 minutes at time of recording. Um, If there is any significant action, we may well update you as we go, but naturally, after we speak to you next time, there will have been two rounds played. So let's get into last week's action then. What we're going to do this week is just kind of give you the results and then just uh, pick through a couple of the significant ones afterwards. So uh, last Friday, 15th of uh, April, we saw Ren and Monaco serve up a bit of a thriller. Uh, ended in three, a 3-2 win for Monaco uh, with goals from Vanderson, Benyeda and Boadu. Uh, Florian Tate had put, put Ren in front on three minutes with that uh, goal spree for Monaco proved to be decisive. Martin Terrier bagging yet again in the last minute to make it an interesting finish, but it was pretty much the last kick of the game. Really good win that for Monaco, who were rather impressive. Uh, seemed to have turned the opinions of the owner around slightly. Uh, on to Saturday's action, really important win for St Etienne, who uh, managed to beat Brest by two goals to one. Uh, Maddy Kemmerer, this is uh, the same Kemmerer who's um, skipped for the club, who was essentially taken out of the squad due to some, um, uh, shall we say, off-the-pitch troubles uh, with uh, the supporters. He was restored to the team, scored both goals uh, after Frank Honorat had put Brest in front. So, big win that for St Etienne. Um, probably the game of the weekend uh, saw the uh, the Derby du Nord on Saturday night, which ended in a 2-1 win for Lance uh, Frankowski, Jez's favourite, and uh, Callum Wendo with the second just before half-time. Sheka did pull one back for Lille, but uh, it was to no avail. Just really, really entertaining game of football, this one. Uh, lots of hostilities on and off the pitch. The thing that really made me chuckle was, um, I believe it took Kalzak around about three minutes after coming on as a late sub to get booked for pulling back a little forward. He just doesn't change. He just doesn't change. Um, but yeah, really good win that for Lance. And, um, he the, played for Bastia at one point. Exactly. It's kind of like Shethousery's in his DNA, isn't it, really? Um, but yeah, he, he came on and shored up the, the back line for the last few minutes, so... Lons uh, continue their impressive season. Could win that deal, unfortunately, not for them. On to the Sunday then, and we saw the uh, the final games of the programme. Uh, nice beat Lorient by two goals to one. Uh, of course, late on, we concede. Brilliant. Ali Delors, who's, uh, I think I tweeted, he's inevitable, just seems to happen. Yeah, um, he's that front. man. Yes. And you know, I, I listen to the Football Clichés podcast, and it's all about who can be that man? Mm. What do you have to do to get the nomenclature that man? I think Andy Law 
has that in spades because when that Murphy girl, because Lorienti scored on like 61 minutes. Yeah, yeah, the economy. And then Murphy was three minutes later, you thought you'd done it, but he was offside. Yeah. That was gutting. And he was offside comfortably as well, sadly. Well, he was, but I think the way that game played out, yeah, um, I'd be gutted. I was, especially to to, to concede an eighty-eighth minute uh, sort of concession to or to lose the game is bad enough. But the space that Delore had is a good header, yeah. in fairness, and a good cross. And a lovely, lovely assist from Dobber. Yeah, really good Dobber? cross. Yeah, yeah, really, really good cross and and a good finish. But unfortunately, um, it is what it is, and and defeat is the way. But um, big game coming up tonight, which will. Mention later on. Um, Mats and Claremont, uh, Jez, probably, well, I mean, I know you said you kind of uh, succumbed anyway in terms of the, the curtains being drawn, but a 1 1 draw at home, despite having 10 men for pretty well the whole second half. De Preville had you believing maybe briefly, and then Dossu's equaliser for Claremont. I, I guess it's kind of double problem, isn't it? A, weren't able to get the win, but also dropping points to a, a rival, or yeah, well, it's dropping points, isn't it, really? Is that kind of like you say? Have you if you just said that's enough? We're done now. We're toast. I mean, considering our home form, a draw is is gaining a point. Um, <laughs> Fair uh, argument, yeah. Um, I just yeah, the whole fan base has been resigned to it for a very for a very long time. They're just it's weird because I think probably this time last year I was saying that even though our, our season kind of petered out, everything was well set for us to kind of push on, and it's just been a horrific season on the pitch off the pitch on the bench and and yeah I mean in a way that that match kind of summed it up we sort of score a nice goal from the one player who actually looks like he gives the shit um give away a really cheap equalizer and then Nian who rightly or wrongly has been the one of the main targets of the fans I uh, interestingly for any Spurs fans listening Sar has been one of the others although not quite to the same extent um Nian is you know we I've touched on it so many times he started that last season six goals and six games did his crucial ligament and hasn't been the same player since but attitude wise he hasn't been brilliant either and he got himself sent off and, and that was pretty much it so uh yeah, I, you know, we had, what was it, Bordeaux, um, Clermont, and then Lorient tonight. And I think to even have a fighting chance, we needed probably seven points from them. Mm. And so far, we've got one. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in the nicest way possible, I just hope you don't find your form tonight because that would be pretty devastating. But I really, I really wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Not to, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, a good good point for Clermont. Um, maybe, arguably, not quite enough, but we shall see. Um, speaking of points shared, Montpellier nil, Rouse nil. Nothing to see here. Unfortunately, I I gave it a watch for twenty minutes and it wasn't great, if I'm honest. So uh, nothing to see here. Unfortunately, two teams that are on the beach. I think it's fair to say. Um, yes, but uh, Dimitri Berto in the Montpellier goal was. Uh, Useful. True. And Lolcat's back. Remy Cabela. Yes. Um, formerly of uh, Krasnodar. Yeah. Has come back for the 
end of the season uh, back home. And that was kind of a lovely thing. And I think at the weekend it was um, Karimit Fana had the ceremonial kickoff because obviously this is the 10th anniversary of Montpellier winning the league. So it's kind of a bit getting the band back together. Yeah. Without actually playing any of the cool songs. If yeah. you see what I mean. Love Elton so. up front next week. That'll be the next uh, that'll be the next thing. Um but yeah it was um wasn't wasn't the best watch but uh nevertheless like you say Berto was decent and Cavella's um hairstyle is, is always interesting. Um a good interview that he gave he's in his is. 30s now he's he meowing mm. so that's interesting he's loving yeah. life but yeah good interview with him if you get a chance to read it about his time in russia he was um very much happy to stay but ultimately things over there were um were not sustainable and he was told by the club we're getting you out and that was that so he is back uh as for the other games on the sunday at nonsense 1-1 draw there Koulibaly equalising for uh, Nantes after Bouval had put Angers in front. Um, maybe we'll touch on Angers in second. Trois and Strasbourg also shared the points in another 1-1 draw. Uh, Diao with the penalty opener for Strasbourg. Uh, but Tardieu got the equaliser with another penalty himself with five minutes to play. Um, probably a result that neither team particularly wanted there. I think both would have wanted the win, but nevertheless, that's the way it goes. Uh, Leon certainly wanted the win when the pressure was off. Yes, looking at you, Leon fans. Um, went out of Europe in midweek to West Ham in a pretty limp 3-0 defeat, but then went to Spank Bordeaux 6-1 at the weekend. Um, yeah, it was just a bit of a massacre. Last, last week, I think I might have said that of the teams at the bottom, I saw Bordeaux having more character to drag themselves out of that. Yeah, about and, that. And, and then they lost 6-1. Yeah. Um, that was an awkward watch, frankly. They, they, they were, really they were dreadful. They, they were, were really dreadful. And the one was an 85th minute penalty. Yeah. They had been absolutely killed by braces from Debele, from Tokwakambe, Paqueta, Fav. It was like Leon were on it to prove after, as you said, the limp exit from the Europa League that they can actually play football. And they did actually manage to show that. So, ouch. It was, um, yeah, it was as, it was as impressive for, for Leon as it was terrible for Bordeaux. It's kind of no in between. Um, and like you, I kind of thought Bordeaux might have enough. I'm now questioning that myself because they were house of cards blown over, gone. So not good for them. Um, and finally, we uh, I guess we can probably start a bit of a discussion. We had Le Classique on Sunday night. A 2-1 win for PSG. Won't really surprise anyone. Um, Neymar with the opener in 12 minutes. Chaletta uh, Sar got the equaliser after some comical goalkeeping and defending from from uh, Donnarumma and his P- PSG teammates. Uh, but the inevitable happened. PSG got the winner through Mbappe, of course. Who else? Uh, he got the winner from the penalty spot. A um, lot of 
controversy in this particular game, though. Uh, also a very interesting um, screen grab, which I managed to get, and a few others did, of Mbappe looking thoroughly fed up after being substituted in the second half. Um, don't want to get booked for yeah. something when he was subbed off, and I, think was... I didn't really understand what happened there. I think it was more the time he took to exit the pitch. I think that, that was the impression I got. I could be wrong. I know a few people picked up on his solemnness but I think he was taking an age to get off and um yeah cop to booking yeah. but yeah well, it wasn't, there it wasn't were great. I think also three disallowed goals in that yeah. game so yeah. you had Messi's offside in the first half Mbappe offside in the round about the 75th minute after that Saliba was off, uh, off or otherwise disallowed so it was, I I think this was a proper classic. Yeah, that, that's a question I was going to ask. Yeah, so you, you felt it was, because I, I was a bit underwhelmed. After the, the, the Derby de Nord was really entertaining, this was just a bit, I don't know, it just felt a bit I think shallow, the big like. games is always a problem, there's always a chance it's not going to be that good for a neutral entertainment-wise. But in terms of the actual game and the scoreline of the top two, then 2-1 is reasonable. I think they they did a decent shift. I would agree that the um, Chalatasar goal was mostly tattooed defensive shambles from PSG, which was... Horrible. Um, but looking at their 4 3 3 versus OM's 5 3 2, someone on Twitter said they're playing a flat back five. And that does tell you something. I mean, remember a couple of seasons ago when I think uh, Garcia was in charge for the first time. Marseille went to the Parc de France and had no shots because he was so determined they weren't going to leave space open. This was a bit more open, but you could still see that kind of fear in their eyes. I it's think like, so. It's almost yeah. like they were torn between like going for it and making a real game of it or sort of keeping a respectable scoreline. Well, that's the balance where you're like, if we go for it, they could absolutely fuck us up. Mm. And so that's what I say, 2-1, you're probably thinking, yeah, we lost, whatever. Mm. But you lost 2-1. That's Mm. not that bad. No. Before the game, you'd have thought that's a reasonable result. And it keeps them up there. Yeah. That's and it doesn't in, their goal difference obviously is massively better than Ren, but it's not as good as Nice. So keeping the points is extremely important for yeah. Marseille. That that's kind of um, leads me into the, 
I guess the question I'll, I'll give you, Jez, is it been a mentioned like the, the disallowed sleeve goal, which, which I must admit I thought was a bit iffy. Um, you know, some people don't, I don't know, there's difference of opinion, I guess, but has it been a good season for Marseille? Because there's been quite a lot of discussion about actually how good their season has been because it went off a cliff after Christmas and now they are back on, I guess, what you would class as back on on trajectory. I mean, they are in a European semi-final, which I guess would have been bare minimum. And, and they are second in the table. Could they have asked for much more? Is Project Marseille a good project this season based on this? Um, yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, I think um, not for the first time, um, a lot sort of going forwards in terms of sort of how to push on from that will depend on what happens in the in the summer with um, the transfer window or with whether to to kind of manage to keep loan signings that kind of thing. But um, you know, if you said at the start of the season minimum European semi final, I can't remember if they dropped into the conference or they were in there in the first place i think they were in there in the yeah they're in the oh actually now so you, I'm, I'm gonna look that up because now you've got me questioning yourself i will, I will look it up i don't i don't think any reasonable marseille fan would have expected to be able to challenge seriously for the title so second place if they retain that second place i think is is an excellent result and then yeah a very good chance of reaching a european final it might be the sort of third division of, of European competitions, but it's still nothing to be sniffed at. And it still kind of maintains, I, just, I find it fascinating that there's certain clubs that are just, there's something about Europe and their connection to Europe that they can, they sort of raise their game, obviously different levels, but, you know, Real Madrid, often, even if they're not doing well in the league, they'll do well in Europe. And Marseille, the number of European finals they've reached is is really impressive sort of, when you compare it to the French club's showings in or, or lack of European finals in general. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely a positive season if it was to sort of carry on the, the way it's been going in recent weeks. And, and, you know, even if they want to claim some kind of vicarious credit for Salabir and Guendouzi getting, getting um, capped, for example. But that's also why I thought Sunday was actually a bit frustrating and, and, I didn't think it was a classic at all by any stretch of the imagination. And part of that, I think, was the fans' fault. Or, yeah. Well, it wasn't the Marseille fans' fault, if, or, except indirectly, and that obviously everything that's happened in the past means that neither fixture has away fans, which, as we've said before, I think is just a massive problem for, for French football at the moment in general. And then the PSG fans were sort of on strike, so they weren't really cheering as, as they might, which I do understand. Um, I think they've, they're entitled to be a little bit annoyed with how things went in Europe um, and how things are still going off the pitch. So, yeah, I think although they're justified in doing so, it kind of affected the atmosphere. And I just thought the whole match was a bit of a, a damp squib, really. I mean, yeah, there was a bit of niggle and, and the fact that there was some offside... Um, disallowed goals kind of added to the intrigue but you know I, I just felt like I get I get San Paoli's issue and I think it's always a Marseille coach's issue whether to stick or, stick or twist and yeah there was that year where I can't remember if it was the Garcia one I think it might have been Vinas Boas where he set out his stall for a nil-nil I think they got smashed anyway 
and but then Marseille went on an amazing run and and it's sort of in sort of retrospectively justified arguably Villas Boas's tactic in that match but I just feel like I don't know Marseille of all clubs should at least go for it and try you know if they're going to go down at least go down in flames at least go down with a bit of glory and you know I know PSG have been in great form in recent weeks but you know let's be fair Lorient and Clermont come on um, and and you know if ever there was a time for, for Marseille to sort of have a really good chance of, of kicking PSG while they were down this was it and yeah I mean you know I do think Saliba was just offside and you know, we can argue about the rules and VAR and all of that, but they are the rules. And I think by those rules, he was offside. And it was a shame. And, and had that, you know, had his foot been a couple of inches further back, he probably still would have scored. And then Sam Pally could have said, I got a draw at the Parc des Princes. We rarely get that. I can, you know, can't really mm. complain too much. So um, it almost worked, but I thought it didn't really bring too much to the game and and just generally the whole thing was a bit of a disappointment you know we love to see the frankly I'd rather see five standings off (laughs) yeah yeah. it was a little bit I I felt the same as you I don't have to say it's just wasn't quite and the fans not being there is always a a bit of a um, a bit of a sort of a downside and the PSG fans certainly were not happy on the night um we are underway in five of the games this evening so I will keep you across those as best I can Marseille did indeed um enter the Europa Conference as a result of dropping out of the Europa League it's all coming back to me now Galatasaray Lazio um Locomotive Moscow in their group originally and they didn't end very well I think they got one win for the group so yeah you're right they did drop in in which case one. not so impressive but they still made a European semi-final out of it so and I, I, think I would argue could win it still. I mean, Andrek Frankfurt yeah, was brilliant at the new Camp, but and West Ham, you know, so you never know what you're going to get. Rangers, I, I've not really been impressed with, and Marseille got fired, of course. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think they could end up. Wouldn't it be ironic if Marseille were to win a European trophy, the year PSG um, fail again? It would be quite ironic, but <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. No, I think the. Um... Europa Conference League thingy um, now is looking really interesting because obviously on the other side, Leicester Roma. Yeah, yeah, that's the other one, isn't it? Yeah. And his shit. Um, But yeah, OM versus Final, they're going to have to concentrate, but Mm. you'd hope that. If they can stop the heads from going, they're going to be in the final against mm. either Leicester or Roma. It's going to be a really cool final. I mean, that Especially... feels like a bit of a throwback. You know, if it was Roma OM, mm. that feels like it should be a Cup Winners' Cup thing from the 80s, doesn't it? It feels. Especially if it if it was it, classic. Imagine if it ended up being Mourinho against San Paoli as well. I mean, just just you could just have a camera <laughs> on that, couldn't you? I, mean, uh, be... I, th- I think we'd need more referees. Yeah. And that. the normal number. Um, one thing I just wanted to mention after uh, Jez talked about crowd trouble and, and stuff is 
if you were wondering why Red Star versus Set in the national uh, was is down as game stopped, it's because that game was abandoned at about half an hour in with Set, the visiting team, uh, a goal up because a fan protest about the prospective owners, which are, I believe, 777 Sports Group partners. Mm. Um, and I believe that group has a lot of clubs of different sports in different leagues in different countries under their wing, shall we say, but Red Star being a, shall we say, left-leaning kind of of organisation, they are not happy with this. And that game was, as I say, stopped after about 30 minutes. They restarted and had to stop again um, with all of that because they aren't putting up with that. And that's something that, given some of the stuff that's happened recently, particularly in England, I think is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going around with that side of things. That, you know, you've got the Newcastle situation. You've also now got, because of Pretty Patel and her uh, kind of Huxley-esque approach to um, uh, refugee status, uh, saying, oh, yeah, Rwanda's fine, and if you criticise that dictatorship that is way down the um, list of uh, amnesties kind of appropriate ways to work work out a government. Um, yeah. And it's... Arsenal are, are saying visit Rwanda. I'm like, yeah. Who's going to visit Rwanda? I looked up the FAO guidance and it was like, yeah, don't go here. The grenade attacks are sporadic for the past five years. Mm. So I think what we're seeing here is it's very easy to say that owners come in and the fans can't do anything. Yeah. What we're seeing at Red Star is Owners are coming in, and the fans are doing something. I do wonder if this if this was to happen in one of the top flight games, would that would have an impact as well? Because I suppose that when it's in the lower leagues, it tends to go, like you say, slightly left of board, and, and that would be interesting if it happened at the, the top I, end of things. And if you were top end, then there's more money, so you're yeah, it makes a bigger have more issues but I think Red Star have their principles and 
are not going to compromise them. Mm. And that is something maybe we can learn from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, speaking of learning from things, um, well, actually, we'll just get, I'll just give you a quick update on a couple of live games. So obviously, of course, Mats are in front against Lorient because we all knew that was coming. So that's great news. Um, and Bordeaux have just gone one up against St Etienne through uh, Mara's goal. So that could put some pigeon, uh, some cats amongst pigeons, but um, a couple of early goals there. Um, let me just delve into the um, the challenge at the, the, the European spaces. Um, Jazz, I'll bring you in here for this one. Um, we talked about, obviously, Marseille, the three points clear uh, in second, and um, should say at time of recording, PSG could potentially be crowned champions tonight if they better um, Marseille's win. So with those two seemingly out in front, um the, the sort of chasing pack where's your money going at the moment just when it comes to ren nice strasbourg monaco would you even chuck Lons in there on their form i mean monaco four straight wins Lons have won three out of the last four uh strasbourg unbeaten in five now but there is a couple of draws in there and then nice's form has been patchy until their win at the weekend and ren's has been brilliant until they lost the weekend so have you got any money on any horse and if so which one is the most appealing stallion at the moment for you Jess, oh, oh you, he's back. Is he back? <laughs> so you might, Sorry, you might, I was on mute. That's um, all right. <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of want to sit on the fence until the Monaco Nice result because I, I think that might have a big bearing on things. I think um, Monaco certainly sort of had the arguably the best kind of head of steam behind them at the moment. I think it's four wins in a row. Even players like Boadu have found form. Um, Funderson's done done well. So Funderson since he arrived. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um I think they're they're arguably the form team. Nice, as you said, they 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 won at the weekend, but um, you know, 88th minute minute winner against a team threatening with relegation, it's not yet convincing for me. Um so I think if Monaco win tonight, they leapfrog Nice, they're you know back possibly in the top four. Um, that I think that would be sort of a big statement, and then to be honest, I haven't looked at the run-ins, but yeah, I feel like they're they're the form team. But as you said, I mean, every team has had a very good run of form, and then it's just at different times, just completely fallen away for for each of them at different times. So um, it, it's really difficult to predict right now. But I think Ren are probably playing the best football overall. Um, but uh, Nice, I don't know. I just, it's really weird because I think at the start of the season, if you told me where Nice would be or that they'd be, you know, very in touch with the with Champions League places, I just said that that's good for, you know, Galtier's first season there. Um, and you'd expect them to push on next year. But considering how they started the season and, and the fact that they were second for a decent chunk of it, I think, I actually think it's almost turning into a bit of a disappointment and missing out on Champions League would be a little bit disappointing for them. So I think possibly they're playing with a little bit more pressure than, than a few of the other teams, even if that wasn't necessarily the sort of stated ambition at the start of the year. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, it's... <laughs> I, maybe it's a mess thing, but I, I, 
I know they're still up there. And again, you know, Strasbourg ran tonight, another big match that, that's going to have a bearing on those things. So, you know, four of the of the top six meeting each other. But um, and there's the whole sort of Julien Stefan subplot. But um, for me, it's between Rennes, Nice and Monaco. Yeah. I think Lance are just, it's only, you know, three points behind Monaco, but I feel that's maybe a little bit too large a gap to come back from. Yeah, I think I yeah I think I tend to agree with that. It's just a it just seems to be that teams have either found form or lost form at the the best or worst possible times in terms of that race because, like you say, for a while it looked like Ren were were sort of flying away with it. Then you had the the Monaco run from mid table. I mean, even Leon with that win at the weekend, they're only technically a couple of points back, forty nine points, but it does seem to be constantinering up a little bit. And again, based upon what results we get tonight could determine um, which of those teams go into those slots. Just a reminder, the, the first two Champions League, so CPSG Champions League, I'll say at the moment, in the second spot. Um, the third spot is the Europa League automatic qualification and then fourth and fifth get into the uh, Europa Conference. So it'd be interesting to see. It'd be nice to see Strasbourg one, get there, actually. One thing I think about, because as just mentioned, we got Strasbourg, Ren which mm. will be huge, but also I've got a feeling OM Nantes could be problematic. If Nantes can get a win there, which is not out of the question, I think, because mm. um, Marseille have done their thing against Pauk, etc., they could then be knocked down the table if, you know, Ren win, if Nice win. So it's still, I think, both ends of the table, there's still stuff going on. Yeah. And we seem to have a situation where there's a lot of games where it's between those teams and not one versus the Ventremou or whatever. They're, the mid-table guys, are on the beach guys, are playing each other. Yeah. Yeah, it does, it does feel... The top, the Europe teams playing each other and the, please God, don't let us be relegated teams playing each other. And that, I think, makes it very interesting this midweek but also next weekend mm. uh, there's many of those so we're going to have to keep an eye on all of this because nobody's mathematically up or down although I think PSG could win it tonight stats guy Jeremy is what what's combination of things need to make PSG champion I was lost in that earlier conversation bettering the result isn't it I think if PSG better Marseille's result then they're Mm. champions yeah and we all know it's going to happen I mean whether it's tonight or or not um quick update for you by the way the the Mets goal is disallowed sorry Jess um 
sorry, but sort of not sorry. Uh, Bordeaux are now 2 0 up against St Etienne. So um, they're having a lovely old time. St Etienne, less so. We'll maybe cover what that would mean if that result was to stay where it is. Um, let's have a, just a quick look at the bottom then. As I say this could change over the course of the post podcast and current events, but as of the weekend, um, looking at where we are in terms of the bottom, a little bit of change, not a huge amount. Mets currently um, bottom 24 points, Bordeaux 26 points, Clermont 29, Saint Etienne 30, Lorient 31, Troyes 33, and Angers 34. So, hypothetically, if Bordeaux were to win tonight, which seems fairly possible, it could take them up to 29 points and hovering, just sort of looking to escape area again. Um, the, the two, two I'm looking at, Angers and Troyes. Um, Jez, have you got a thought on these two? Just in terms, I mean, I know we've said Troyes are still in it regardless, but Angers, they host PSG tonight. Uh, if they were to, to lose that game, and I don't think that's an un, unrealistic possibility, depending on what their goal difference is, because they are only minus 10, I say only, but the teams below them are 15s and upwards. Uh, is this still an element of them being sucked in, particularly if that Bordeaux result stands and if Florian were to pick up points and Twindy below them? I mean, they, they can be, but I don't think they will. I think they're fine. I just can't see enough of the teams below them picking up enough points. Still confident, yeah. And well, I'm not confident, yeah. but I just I think there's enough quality about them. I think that, yeah, they're semi on holiday, but I still think they'll be all right. Should be all right. Do you and think also they're playing each other because Trois might get dragged into things, but they're playing Flamel. Mm, it's currently nil now after are already points. dragged in. Mm. So I feel like if there's a winner in that game, that's massive, isn't it? Because if Clermont yeah, wins, if it's then... Clermont, then basically everybody feels safe mm. from 16 upwards. Yeah. And if, it, and if it ends up being a win for Troyes, then that pulls them, well, again, yeah, well, technically it, five points up. So, yeah. Yeah. I do, the fact I, I just, that this is, there's lots of games between the bottom six mm. in the last couple of games we're seeing. Yeah. It does, you know, uh, skew the implications of the outcome. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. And that, obviously, that Bordeaux score is, is massive right now because that does put Sinetin right back into, into yeah. problems as if they weren't already in them, but it, it moves Bordeaux right closer to that chasing pack. So um, we should also say at the time of recording, um, we mentioned Bordeaux, Sinetin, L'Oreal, Metz, and Trois Clermont, also Rams against Lille, and Monaco against Nice are currently live, um, nil-nil at the moment. Um, later on tonight, we've got a couple more games. Uh, Angers against PSG, as we mentioned, Brest against Lyon, Lens, Montpellier, Marseille, Nantes, and Strasbourg, Rennes. So the games to, um, we'll sort of try and combine them into next weekend's games when we review those next week. Um, in terms of, uh, let, let's actually have a quick look ahead, shall we, to, to next week, because it is a, a fairly interesting round coming up at the weekend. So Again, we're doing this at the time of these games going on, but if we put those to the side for a minute, 
Um, Leon Montpellier is, uh, there's no Friday game, by the way, this week. There's Saturday games and Sunday games only. So Leon Montpellier is the Saturday afternoon game. St Etienne Monaco is an interesting one because that's fighting for survival against fighting for Champions League. PSG Lens looks quite fun just in terms of it could be a PSG type break, but Lens are still very much in that European shakeup. Um, Renegades Lorient again on the Sunday. Again, it's fighting for Champions League against bottom end. Clermont Angers could be very interesting again, depending on what happens tonight. Metz against Brest, uh, Nantes against Bordeaux, Nice against Troyes, Lille, Strasbourg, and, and Rams, Marseille. Um, anybody particularly pick out any of those? I mean, I think just the one that jumps off the page is St. Etienne Monaco to me, just in terms of what it means for both sides. Well, I, from deep wounds of history, Leon Montpellier, um, bet on 5-1. Either <laughs> way, it doesn't matter. No, that is very much a neutral's yeah. favourite, that one. Yeah. Um, but I think this is the round where we move away from... Um, teams in bands playing each other. Mm. Clermont Angers. Angers won't care, but are they better than Clermont? Fine. Mets, Brest. Brest won't care. Are they better than Mets? Yes. Not Bordeaux. Will not care? Probably not. Are they better than Bordeaux? Yes. So it's going to come down to how much do the mid-table clubs care at this stage? And how much do the relegation-threatened teams care at this stage? Because if Bordeaux pull themselves together and do something like they did a couple of weeks ago, fine. But this, it's. I think this is the round where it's about character rather than form, if that makes sense. Yeah, like who can who who can step up when it matters the most? I guess is is the way. Of yeah. Sort of looking at it, isn't it? Which which ones are you looking at, Jez? In terms of, I guess where's where's your where you, if you if you sit down at the weekend and stick the telly on, where's your interest, top or bottom, in terms of putting Mets aside? If we've decided where where we are at the moment, but are you are you are you sort of interested in the in the Champions League chase more or the European chase more or that who's going to stay up element of these games at the weekend? Um, well, I think for the reasons you said, I think Saint-Étienne Monaco probably is the most interesting because there's a bit of intrigue at both ends of the table. Um, I mean, it's not the only one, there's Ren Lorient as well, but I think Saint-Étienne Monaco is just a little bit more, um, I don't know, gets the, it just seems a little bit more interesting. Obviously, Saint-Étienne, a, a very big club, threatened with, with relegation at the Jeffrey Guichard against a, a quality team who are fighting for Champions League. I just think that one's got a little bit more going for it. Um, PSG Lens could be interesting just because I think Lens are the type of team who I don't think will sh show PSG respect or or rather they won't 
they won't do a Monaco and oh, sorry a Marseille and, and set out to to scrape a nil nil. I think they'll go for it, and I think they can frighten PSG. So I could see, you know, assuming PSG haven't won the league tonight, and maybe even more so if they have. Actually, I can see parties being pooped um, there. But yeah, I think Saint-Étienne Monaco is, is the standout match. And I think Lille Strasbourg could be interesting as well, because yeah, Strasbourg are still there and thereabout or thereabouts. Lille aren't completely out of things, but obviously inevitably have had a disappointing follow-up to last season. So we'll still want, you know, still Europe to play for, still pride to play for, and still some big summer moves to play for. That's I think that's that's one thing about um the French league maybe compared to a couple of others that um, there definitely is an element of players going on holiday or going to the beach and they've got nothing to play for as a club. But because it's such a selling league and such a sort of shop window, um, play, sensible players, if they're looking to, for a, looking to make a big move, should be sort of, you know, trying all the way through to the final whistle of the season. Yeah, so speaking of, of Lille, just to keep you updated, currently 1-0 down to Ralph's um, Manets, and he's got that goal. Um, to, to quote Mr A. Gibney, uh, Governor Count? Question mark. Um, <laughs> also, St Etienne are back in it at Bordeaux, so maybe I wrote them off too soon. That's uh, 2-1 now. 35 played, Denny Luanga's got that goal, but who else? I mean, he seems to be the only one to ever score for Sanetian at this point in time. So, uh, yeah, game on in that one, and the rest remain uh, nil-nil. So, yeah, lots of things um, coming up now. Of course, at the end of this weekend, we'll only have four games to go, so I'd imagine we'll have a little bit more of a, a little bit more clarity in terms of where whom are going to be. Um Part of me kind of wants to see Lons and Strasbourg make a run for those European places and a couple of teams drop out. But yeah, that, that's definitely an interesting um, uh, shake-up. I, I would probably argue, like you both said, down as, maybe down as far as Lille in night, you could argue that any of those teams, if they can put in that three to four game winning run towards, when, towards the end of the season, could potentially sneak into any one of those, uh, maybe not top two spots. Uh, I still think Marseille end up second, but... It's um it's pretty fluid there, and in terms of the bottom, I mean, it every time we think we've got it nailed, it's something changes. So I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna put my uh I'm not gonna put my um my hat in the ring and, and commit to who's gonna be where, but just hope Lorient get the uh, the win tonight. Um, just to finish tonight, I just wanted to ask you ask you both sort of it's a bit of a random question this one, but um it kind of just occurred to me. Because we've got a World Cup um, coming up next season in in November, I feel like this summer there's a lot a lot of clubs need to do quite a lot of shake ups in terms of managerial situations, players in and out, etc. Do, do you think that will affect the the French league as a whole in terms of financially, in terms of player recruitment, in terms of player sales? Because Ligue 1 obviously makes a lot of money from its exports, but you know, I would argue that if you look at that, Leon potentially could change managers in the summer. Leon might. Um, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of rebuilding that the likes of Marseille need to do, depending on their transfer ban. Do you think that's going to have a bit of an impact that th- this summer? I'll, I'll ask you both. Do you, do you feel that's the way you feel? Do you think it might be a bit of a weird summer? Yeah, because it's it's a summer where they're 
should have been a World Cup. Mm. And the World Cup isn't happening because it's happening in winter because reasons. Because money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it gives uh, clubs a bit of a break they weren't expecting. Mm. But everybody's getting a break. So what do you do with that? And we are aware that Liga is largely a selling league. Believe PSG out of this. Um, you've got Premiership teams buying from Liga for prices that Liga couldn't pay for those players. So I'm not. It feels like this will be a very strange summer mm. because it should be a tournament but isn't. So, but how does that work? So I think this will be something where we see people moving around a lot, but... Can certain teams... I think French teams have got better over the past couple of years in holding out against Newcastle want to pay two million quid for your really, really good midfielder. I think that's not going to fly anymore. No. And wise, while all I said, OL is someone who now appears to be completely losing his shit, he was one of the people who started to say, we are not going to solve bargain basement prices. So, what kind, of, what kind of impact is that going to have? It's, I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, you, I think we'll still see people recruited from Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 uh, for cheap prices, but not to the extent it was previously. So we're going to have to keep an eye on who goes where and for what. You always do. Yeah, I, I just, I can't, I can't quite make my mind up whether it's going to be a busy one or, or a quiet one. You, you thoughts on it, Jazz? I know I've sprung this on you guys, but it's just sort of one of those things that crossed my mind today. Do you feel like, in, in a way, could it actually benefit Liga side? I mean, sides across Europe in the fact that you have got a free summer and that you could arguably say to a player, I don't know, I, 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 <laughs> the, the, there's an obvious one here that I'll just throw in. You look at an Alex Lacazette. Now, I'm not suggesting he's ever going to get back in a few years, but if you had a player like that who's maybe on the cusp of national team call-up, could you maybe use that as a selling point to them in the summer and say, actually, you know, come and play in France, come and play at a, a, a Nice or a, um, you know, Marseille or whatever, and, and actually you might get into a squad, whereas if you stay at your Bundesliga, Serie A, Premier League club, you won't. So is, is there an argument that maybe French clubs could benefit from this window being in a, 
a time when there would have normally been a tournament where there's actually one coming up? I, d I don't think so. I mean, I, th I think it's the opposite. I think the only way they benefit is if players are thinking, I don't want to unsettle myself. You know, if I've got a chance of making a World Cup squad, moving somewhere else is a bit of a risk. If there's a bit of an adjustment period, I could lose form and lose my place in the squad, so I'll stay where I am. Mm. Um, or alternatively, um, you know, players that are thinking of... <clears throat> No, I think it was the same point I was going to make, but um, yeah, I just, I yeah, I think um, I don't think there's going to be too much difference this summer. I think League Anne will still be constantly having to fend off offers left, right, and centre. I mean, I mentioned Leo earlier. You look at you know Jonathan Davids, Sven Botman. They've been sort of linked with AC Milan almost since the season started. It's, it's you know, the unsettling of players and the tapping up and all the rest of it seems to start earlier and earlier. And I, I still think that's going to happen. And yeah, as I said, the only, for me, the only difference the World Cup makes is that um, it may make players think twice about leaving in case that affects, yeah, affects their form and their, affects their chances. I don't, I can't really see anyone joining Liga teams to improve their chances of, of making squads. Yeah, and I guess as as per usual, all the focus is going to be on a certain Frisian club, isn't it? In terms of uh, what uh, business they do in and out. And so, well, I mean, arguably that's sort of the most intriguing thing about the fact that this particular World Cup obviously is is in November because I think there genuinely are lots of people who think that after this World Cup, Qatar could walk away. Mm, and, um, yeah. You know, obviously, particularly in terms of Mbappe, that could, I, if Qatar are thinking of walking away, presumably they don't actually care that much long term about really whether Mbappe stays or not. But I think they're obsessed with having Mbappe as a PSG player for oh, the yeah. World Cup. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. kind of like after this, you know, sell him in January, they probably not bothered, but. Yeah. I think they'll do everything they can to, to try to resist selling him in, in or giving him away in the summer. Yeah, he, he did look yeah. very fed up when he came off the other night. It's just, yeah, it did, look, yeah, did mean, look completely fed up. It was a very, very late substitution. and I think maybe there's too much being read into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got one of those faces, hasn't he? Like, if he's cheesed off, you know about it. Uh, and, and, I, and I have to say... Um, Although it's maybe not the popular thing to say, I did enjoy Gendouzi winding up Neymar. It was, it was quite fun. Um, just, just a bit of old-fashioned shithousery in a game. And it was so obvious as well. Like You knew that they were going to target Neymar and you knew it would probably be Gendouzi who would, who would trigger it. But um, yeah, I did find that. I know, I know you might disagree and Marseille fans will disagree. I think Gendouzi is one of the very, very few players who actually rivals Neymar in complete dislikability. <laughs> That's why I like him. <laughs> just, I just want. I just. I. I would honestly, I'd have him in our midfield right now. I mean, that's obvious. Arsenal's midfield days, but um, yeah. I, I think the only downside to him in particular is that he's he is a really talented player. I really think that, and it's just. I think he's just, he is, but I don't think he's as talented as he thinks he is, or his attitude or behaviour warrant. That that would also be fair. Yeah, that would also <clears> be fair. 
uh, players never rate, uh, or nobody rates players more than themselves, as the saying goes. But um, hey-ho. Right. Um, I think we will draw a line there then. Uh, like I say, a bit of a sort I, of... Um, I just want to do one thing, because we're recording this Wednesday night while the first sitting is going on. Yeah. There will be a second round of games uh, midweek at nine o'clock France time. I think we need to put our money where our mouths are. Okay. Marseille not mm. is one of the nine o'clock games. What's your prediction? I think Marseille win that, even though their home form is not brilliant, just purely because I don't really think... Score yeah, prediction. Mm. We'll two check two. in next week. Okay, I, I, I'll go 2-1 Marseille then. 2-1 Marseille. Jez, what do you think? I don't know why this match in particular, but I predicted 2-0 on Marseille. 2-0 from Marseille? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, saying 2-2. Two, two. So if if OM don't score, we all look like a fucking dickhead. <laughs> but that's where we go. We will follow we'll up with that. We'll either look very, very good or very stupid, as the case may be. Um, usually, usually stupid from my side. But yeah, as, um, as you say, there's a couple of games later on tonight yet to kick off. The other games have just reached or are just reaching halftime. Nil-nil um, is uh, Monaco Nice, nil-nil. Metz, Lorient Metz is nil-nil. Uh, Trois-Clermont is nil-nil, although Clermont did have a goal disallowed in that game, so they could have been in front. Um, Rouse are still 1-0 on, up on, on uh, Lille, and it is indeed 2-1 at halftime in the uh, Bordeaux-Sanetian game. So it could be big points for Bordeaux if they are to hang on to that. Right, um, that will do for this week. I predicted week. two all for that one, so I could do with an equaliser. Oh, okay. All right, so there you go. Jez has uh, <laughs> put, his, put his head on the block um, for that one. Um, so, yeah, we will be back next week. Um, as I say, at this time of the year, it's a little bit uh, difficult to predict what day, but we will aim for the early part of the week to get the weekend's games in. Um, and, as I say, by this time next week we record we'll probably have a little bit clearer idea as to where the final tables are headed given the fact we'll have had two more rounds to report on in terms of full times so uh until then whichever game you are particularly interested in or not interested in whichever way you could be crumbles uh whichever game you watch enjoy your french football and we will speak to you very soon my thanks to phil my thanks to just thank you both thank you and we'll speak to you next week